electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, the numbers don't add up for this captivating accountant. She's convincing. She's charming. She's confident. And she's chaotic. And you say, oh, that's just Lizzie. Social climber Lizzie Mulder appears to have it all. Money. She had money to spend on anything and everything she wanted. Status. The average home in this area, I would say, is about $5 million. And friends. We were close. It was like family. I trusted her wholeheartedly. But an upscale Laguna Beach, looks can be deceiving. Welcome to the Orange County dream a real housewife is willing to steal for. Somebody that I believed was my friend was screwing us intentionally. Even if it means swindling her best friends. There's no justification for what she did. She's just a horrible person. Orange County, California is a surfside paradise. With its endless sunshine, golden beaches, and extravagant wealth, it boasts a lifestyle of luxury that borders on fantasy. Elizabeth Mulder's Orange County dream begins here in this stately house in the hills of Laguna Beach. But Mulder's Orange County dream will become a nightmare for her closest friends. 28-year-old Lizzie, as she's known around Laguna, has an accounting practice that caters to small business owners with big dreams. Wine distributor Jay Avery is referred to Lizzie by a trusted friend. My friend told me, Lizzie, she's great, she's got a good personality, she's a hard worker, um, and she'll get done what needs to be done for your business. Jay meets Lizzie at her home office and is immediately impressed. It was a house in Laguna on the hill, overlooking the ocean. And I thought, wow, this is pretty amazing. She must be pretty good at what she does. She had an office set up with multiple screens, uh, screens to go over books and and projections. The degree was framed on the wall from uh, Pepperdine. I was left thinking that having someone with her energy and her background is the best move I can make to help build my company. Jay is the founder of Jack Wines. Even though the wine label launched only two years earlier, Jay has a heady vision for his boutique company. I wanted to go big. I didn't want to just be in California, United States. I wanted to be all over the world. And Jay is willing to risk his own money to make it happen. My family, I come from the beer business. My dream was to go out on my own. With Jack Wines, I put my own money up. Uh, No investors, it was 100% mine. But as Jay's business starts to grow, his personal life threatens everything. I got married young at at 25, um, and it wasn't the healthiest relationship. And then I had a bunch of surgeries, uh, about five and two years, um, and got addicted to prescription pain medication. It was how I got through the day. Jay confides in Lizzie, whose younger brother is also struggling with drug abuse until tragedy strikes. I got a phone call from Lizzie in the morning that her... uh, 
her brother had, had passed away from a heroin overdose. And we had a moment to where she was crying and upset, and she told me I better not do that to her. Heeding Lizzie's advice, Jay checked himself into a treatment center, and one person was there for him through it all. While I was in treatment, um, Lizzie and I would talk daily, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, it meant the world to me. Jay has so much faith in Mulder that while in recovery, he names his trusted confidant Chief Financial Officer of Jack Wines. I told Lizzie while I'm getting healthy, mentally and physically, um, that I'm going to need your help. I just gave her access to all the financials, to the bank account, to writing checks. I gave her signing authority. I mean, I gave her everything. And it pays off. With Lizzie's steady hand guiding the company, production ticks up 25%. Things go so smoothly that Mulder retains control of accounts even after Jay finishes treatment. And just two months later, a big opportunity comes calling. Lizzie came to me with an amazing business opportunity with a company based out of China that invests into small wineries and help them grow. I sent them samples, and within a month of the samples arriving there, she got a phone call saying they were interested in investing into Jack Wines. The investors are called the Wine Trust, and Jay immediately gets on the phone with their CEO, Brent Harrison. Very nice guy, kind of soft-spoken, very direct. He had connections everywhere to help us grow our brand. Brent Harrison asked me questions about about Lizzie and what she's like. Uh, I told him that, you know, she's amazing. She's a bright young superstar. Brent says the Wine Trust will consider investing $2 million into Jay's business. But first, he wants to sample more wines. Once they got involved, we had to buy samples. And those samples needed bottles, and those samples needed cork. I mean, our expenses went up, I'd say, a couple hundred percent over a period of, of six months once they got involved. And finally, Jay's investment pays dividends. As the Wine Trust comes back with the news Jay was hoping to hear. They love the name, they love the label, they love the wine, and they wanted to give us a chance uh, to invest into us and grow us into a global brand. It was kind of a dream come true. After a year of emails and phone calls, Jay arranges to finally meet the investors in person to seal the deal. Brent Harrison will travel to Seattle to meet Jay, and Lizzie will faithfully be at Jay's side. But just before he's set to fly, Jay receives a worrying message from Brent. About five hours before I was supposed to board the flight, uh, I got an email from Brent Harrison to do a background check, um, which I had already done previously. Shouldn't have had to take another one this soon. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. 
FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Jay got a personal background check months ago to prove he's in good standing to have a liquor license. But Brent is now requesting that Jay get a new background check on impossibly short notice. Jay immediately calls Lizzie to find a solution. She said, listen, I'll go up there. I'll meet with them. I said, no, I want to meet these people that I've been talking to for the last year. She then got upset with me. She said, well, you're going to make us look bad if you go up there and meet with them and all of our, our affairs aren't you know, taken care of. So we got in a verbal argument, hung up, and I just had a bad feeling. It just didn't make sense. And then shortly after that, I got an email from Brent saying that the investor meeting had been canceled, that he couldn't make it. I knew at that point that all of this wasn't real. And I, I'm not a big crier, but I cried. I was upset. I, I was heartbroken. So Marla watched everything that I went through, and she went on a mission. Marla is Jay's new wife. The former model met Jay after he finished rehab. She's long been skeptical of Lizzie, but said nothing. I didn't want to tell Jay because he had already lost so much. He had this one friend left that was supporting him and being there for him and, like, giving him hope. I couldn't take that away from him. With Jay's hope now shattered, Marla opens Jack Wine's bank records and sees huge sums of money have been sent directly to Lizzie. I sent her a text and basically told her that if she didn't tell Jay everything and send us all the information that we needed, that I would nail her ass to the wall. She never texts me back. Lizzie Mulder fueled Jay Avery's dream of success. I genuinely trusted her as much as I probably ever trusted anybody at that point in my life. Then burned it to the ground. Now Jay's wife, Marla, is taking matters into her own hands. She reviews Jack Wine's bank records and finds numerous checks written to Lizzie Mulder, one for as much as $18,000. I just took it upon myself to go after and do everything I possibly could to get justice. Marla prints out three years of emails, text messages, and bank statements. She even finds suspicious invoices Lizzie sent to Jay. The invoices date back to when Jay entered rehab, leading Marla to believe that while Lizzie was begging Jay to get clean, she was also robbing him blind. Marla thinks she has enough proof to take their case to the police. I was thinking that I officially nailed Lizzie to the wall. As I'm leaving the police station for the end of my shift, in walks Jay Avery with Marla. I hear Jay say, I need to speak with the fraud detective. I noticed uh, he was holding a cardboard box full of files. And I just, I looked at the box, I looked at my watch, I looked at him, and I said, let's talk. Detective Jordan Marakian is the fraud detective at Laguna Beach Police Department. He started the conversation off by saying, I'm a recovering addict. And then he introduces me to Marla. Then it comes out that she's a former Playboy Playmate. I said, okay, so I've got a recovering drug addict and a former Playboy Playmate and a box of files. But once Jay and Marla tell their story, they quickly win over Detective Marakian's trust. Jay was sitting across from me and he was saying, I've lost it all financially, but I'm sober. But I can't 
let this die. I have to hold this person accountable. You try not to get personally involved, but at that point, I was invested. When Marla hands over her box of paperwork, Detective Marakian discovers a roadmap to the fraud. Marla had meticulously identified text messages, emails, bank statements. She had highlighted different wire transfers. It was at that time that I realized I have a case. Detective Marakian starts to unpick Mulder's crime. Lindsay's scheme was simply a check fraud scheme. She was robbing Peter to pay Paul, but Paul was herself. Lizzie repeatedly sends fake invoices for Jack Wine's expenses. When Jay earmarks money to pay bills, Lizzie transfers it to her personal bank account, then covers her tracks with fraudulent receipts showing the expenses have been paid. But before Detective Marakian can finish his investigation, the case takes a twist. I'm walking out the door at 5 o'clock, and I hear, I need to speak with the fraud detective. Same with Jay. I look at my watch. I look at the gentleman at the counter, and I introduce myself as a fraud detective, and he is clearly distraught. And uh, he begins to tell me the story about how his wife, she's an accountant, and she's been stealing money from small businesses throughout Orange County. It wasn't until about five minutes into the interview that I said, well, what's your wife's name? And he says, Lizzie Mulder. In the detective bureau, we called it Fukushima because it was like everything just exploded. In, in the simplest version of the story, I say, tell me more. Lizzie's husband, Jesse, shares a list of her clients, and Detective Marakian immediately gets in touch with their businesses. Every single one of them said, oh, not Lizzie, anyone but Lizzie. And a couple of them hung up on me. And my response to all of them was, take a look at your bank statements and call me tomorrow. By the next day, I had seven people that had called me. Detective Marakian finds that many of Lizzie's clients also happened to be her closest friends. They would say, I had her in my house. She was at my kid's birthday party. She was at my wedding. I can't believe she'd do this. The only thing in this case that was consistent was that Lizzie used her charm to gain their trust. It all sounds painfully familiar to Jay Avery. I was relieved to find out that I wasn't the only gullible jackass in Orange County to fall for, for, for this. Detective Jordan Marakian's case against Lizzie Mulder takes a dramatic turn when he gets a tip from an unexpected source, Lizzie's own husband. Jesse Mulder has been so rocked by Lizzie's actions that before telling Detective Marakian about her fraud, he alerted some of the victims himself. Lauren Scacia is one friend who Jesse called. My first thought was she got in a car accident and, like, something was bad. And Je especially when Jesse said, Lauren, he's sitting down. And then what I heard next was, I think Lizzie's been embezzling from you and from others. And that's, like, that's when everything, um, I don't know if it's came together or fell apart. I don't know which one it is. Years before she became one of Lizzie's marks, Lauren was her friend. She's fun. Uh, she has a lot of charisma. She likes to laugh. It's an attractive personality to be near someone that's confident in their skin and has a good time. So it was easy to know her. 
Lauren was also Lizzie's hairdresser. With her friend in her chair, Lauren would tell Lizzie about her dream to one day own a salon. Then, in 2014, Lauren and her business partner, Geneva Berghorst, are offered a chance to franchise the luxury salon they've been managing. Lauren and I were like, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, this is a dream salon. Now we have the opportunity to own it, of course. But they need a CPA to help them set up the business. Naturally, Lauren heads to the home of her good friend, Lizzie. Geneva and I drove to Laguna and get out of the car. We're like, damn, like, this is, this is awesome. Like, where she lives is, is incredible. She made sure that we knew that her credentials were very high. She graduated with, you know, honors from Pepperdine, and she passed it on the first time. She just said, you know, you need somebody you can trust. You can't afford me, but that's okay. I'll take care of you guys. Despite being a high-dollar CPA, Mulder offers to barter her services. Lizzie will handle the salon's bookkeeping and taxes. And in exchange, her family will get free treatments at the salon. Lizzie made sure that we knew how lucky we were to have her in our lives. And we felt it. Lizzie tells Lauren and Geneva to keep their hairdressers and clients happy and leave the rest to her. Everything that was happening, we were asking her permission if we could do it. But with the understanding of she knows where we are financially. As their business relationship grew, so did Lizzie and Lauren's friendship. When Lauren invites Lizzie to her wedding, Lizzie shocks her friend with a lavish present. She gifted us five grand in wine. Uh, It was actually Jack Wines. And we just thought that was so generous. We're like, man, we are just really lucky to have her in our lives. But at the salon, issues are arising. A few months after opening, the salon is locked out of their online payroll system. Mulder sets up the payroll on a different platform, but come payday, no money arrives. We told our staff, yes, direct deposit's good, you're going to get your money on Thursday. So on Friday, when they didn't get their money the night before, they were already in a bad mood. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch body plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Mulder explains direct deposit is pending approval, so she manually calculates and cuts checks for all 45 of the salon's employees. Leslie would rush into the salon with her bags, drop the bags, and start issuing these manual checks. You know, just in time to save the day. And she did, and we were grateful. Like, God, we're so lucky to have you. Two weeks later, it's payday again. This time, Lizzie assures them by forwarding a confirmation that direct deposit is on its way. 
But the exact same thing occurs. No checks would arrive, and we would have to manually write out 40-some-odd checks every two weeks for a period of about four months. It was chaos. It was absolute chaos every two weeks. Then one day, with the salon full of clients, the lights go out. The clients are making comments, you know, about, oh, who didn't pay the bill? Lauren and Geneva immediately call Lizzie. So I, I called Lizzie and said, like, what the heck? Our electricity's out. What went, you know, what happened? I thought we were on auto pay. And she goes, that's ridiculous. We are on auto pay. So she's like, I'm going to call him right now. A few minutes later, Geneva receives a call from an 800 number. On the other line is a woman who says she is from Southern California Edison, the electric company. And she said, I understand that you have just had your electricity shut off. And I said, yeah, what's going on? I thought we were on auto pay. She goes, yes, ma'am, you are on auto pay. Um, We believe that this has been a fraudulent situation. And sure enough, less than an hour later, the lights flick on. But I told Lauren, I'm still a little, like, weirded out by the way that that call went. It seemed really muffled. It seemed like it was being placed at a call center in, say, China or something. Geneva checks her caller ID and Googles the 800 number. The number matches Southern California Edison's corporate office. But Geneva still can't shake the feeling something is off. So it's things like that started to happen. It just really became very fishy. Only one year after taking over the salon, Lauren and Geneva find that despite working hard and having strong revenue, their finances are running out. I started looking at her thinking, there's something not right. It came to a point where, you know, Geneva said, like, let's get through this and let's find somebody else. And I said, okay. But before Lauren can part ways with Lizzie, she gets the call from her husband. On the phone, Jesse Mulder tells Lauren to review their bank statements for any checks written to income tax payments. And Lauren and Geneva eventually find 82 of these checks totaling more than $290,000. The scam began when the salon's payroll platform stopped working. It turns out that she was prolonging this process behind our backs to create more chaos in order to accomplish what she ended up accomplishing. The salon previously used their payroll system to calculate their income tax withholdings. But now, Mulder has access to this money. We would ask Lizzie, so the taxes are being recorded, right? And she goes, oh yeah, they're going to go on the next payroll. Don't worry, it's totally fine. Lizzie writes checks made payable to income tax payments. Lauren and Geneva are told these checks are being sent to the IRS. But in fact, Lizzie has opened a bank account under the same name, and the checks are going directly to her. She was my friend, and I trusted what she was discussing with us. Like She always seemed to have our best interest in mind, so I never questioned it. One day after receiving Jesse's phone call, Lauren makes a call of her own to Detective Marakian. In addition to Lauren and Geneva's salon, Detective Marakian finds a travel agency and a nearby Pilates studio that Mulder victimized. These businesses have one thing in common. They are all run by women who believe they are good friends with Lizzie. Who better to work with than Lizzie Mulder? She's a woman. She's an entrepreneur. She's a pillar of the community. 
And when the going got tough for them and they got stressed out, she would remind them that she was there to save the day. And so she had all these people really in her pocket. I absolutely think that Lizzie preyed upon my kindness, my kind nature. She just really focused on the relationship, and I think that made me feel good. So she, she capitalized on my weakness. Plastic surgery, Arabian horses, and Ocean View real estate don't come cheap. See Mulder's friends discover where their money is going. Lizzie wanted to finance the Orange County dream. With their luxury yachts, sun-drenched beaches, and lavish lifestyle, Orange County residents have a reputation for living the good life. But affording the good life doesn't come easy. I think the driving force behind this entire fraudulent scheme was Lizzie wanted to finance the Orange County dream. Detective Jordan Marakian has identified four small businesses who believe Lizzie Mulder is embezzling from them. If you look at these victims, they're all very attractive people. And there's a, there's a small part of me that thinks Lizzie was jealous of that. While the businesses struggle to make ends meet, Lizzie, her husband, and their two children are living a high-end lifestyle on the victim's dime. There was an enormous amount of pressure because it seems like everyone is trying to one-up each other. Lizzie Mulder was an ugly duckling in a room full of beautiful people. And I think that's a big reason why she spent some of that money on plastic surgery. Long considered a hub for fashion and beauty, Orange County has also become known as a makeover mecca due to the numerous cosmetic surgery options available. Dr. Arian Malavi of Laguna Beach is a well-established plastic surgeon in the area. Everybody wants to fit in, right? So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes plastic surgery can help you get there. According to court records, Mulder received numerous plastic surgeries, including a common procedure in Orange County called the mommy makeover. The mommy makeover is intended for moms, and you're trying to reverse the time. All the weight gain and the stretching of their bellies and increased fat in their breasts and then the sagging. But for a full mommy makeover, you're looking at anywhere from fifteen dollars to $40,000. Dr. Malavi's most consistent clientele are moms. They make up 80% of all the patients he sees. Looking better brings you more confidence and I think it helps you be more successful. And look, life is short, right? You got to make the best of it. For Mulder, the makeover is extensive. Her friend, Jen Rodriguez, says she never knew Lizzie's scale of transformation until the day she finds an old photo hidden in Lizzie's home. When I went upstairs, I saw a picture of Lizzie and Jesse on their wedding day, and I was taken away because I could not believe how unrecognizable she was. I hate to say it, but she wasn't blonde and 110 pounds. She was Lizzie. And I think no matter how hard she tried, she could never fit in that mold. And possibly that's what fed the need to steal more and more and more, to have more work done. Beyond her body work, Lizzie's most expensive habit is horseback riding. She regularly shared photos such as these with her friends. She would tell me she was doing these events, three-day events, and those are thousands of dollars, and boarding is thousands of dollars. 
Lizzie owns two Arabian horses from elite bloodlines. She uses them to compete in endurance competitions. Deanna Jones Guinasso is a fellow endurance rider who lives upstate in Northern California. Endurance riding is similar to marathon running. You have 24 hours to get 100 miles done. Arabian horses are the best uh, suited for endurance because they had to survive in, in the wild, in the desert. It made them fit. Deanna's horse, named Big Dog, is an Arabian stallion from a storied bloodline. Deanna has become a top 10 rider on Big Dog's back. In 2013, Deanna has to sell Big Dog's brother named Dandy. And a gal uh, by the name of Lizzie Mulder called me from Southern California and said she would like to come up and take a look at him. Deanna sells Dandy to Mulder for $7,000. And Lizzie posts a video of Dandy on social media to market a nutritional supplement for horses. Deanna suspects that Lizzie is more interested in the status of owning a top horse than actually riding it. I have seen pictures of Dandy in jacuzzis that uh, Lizzie would share on Facebook with me. I can't even guess how much that it could cost to do that kind of thing with a horse. Way out of my realm. But no status symbol means more to Lizzie than her beautiful house in Laguna Beach. She openly flaunts the multi-million dollar price tag, even to friends who can't afford such luxury. Lizzie would make comments that would say, I can't believe you make so little. How do you survive on so little? I can't believe you still rent. Oh my God, you're in your 30s. You're still renting. It felt like to me she was telling me, look, Jen, I'm so successful. I'm so established. But I just thought in my head, oh, Lizzie. Lizzie Mulder dominates her victims to accomplish her crime. And at home, she uses the same tactics with her husband. While Lizzie works as a high-earning CPA, Jessie is a parking valet. Lizzie liked to impress upon people that she was the, the breadwinner. She was the one that paid for everything. Jesse, either from being beaten down for so many years or just it was his personality, just rolled with it. Jen Rodriguez and her husband go on a double date with Lizzie and Jesse, where they witness their relationship up close. Jesse arrives at the restaurant late and angry because his ATM card has been declined. He accuses Lizzie of forgetting to deposit money into his account. Jesse was livid. He was pissed. And she brought in the case where, well, if you're so angry about it, go get a job. Calm down. You're fine. And made him look stupid. But in early 2016, Jesse does something for himself. After years working as a valet, Jesse achieved his lifelong dream of becoming a firefighter. When Jesse comes to Detective Moroccan, it's because he's worried Lizzie's actions could put his job at risk. You're given what's called a probationary period, and it's usually a year. And during that year, you can be terminated or let go without cause. Jesse explains he was in Lizzie's home office when he notices some mail on her desk from American Express. It's addressed to one of Lizzie's friends, who is also a client. When Jesse checks inside the envelope, 
he finds a credit card bill for tens of thousands of dollars. Growing suspicious, Jesse opens Lizzie's laptop and finds her bank account for income tax payments. But that's not all he discovers. And at the same time, he learns that she's been having an affair. While Jesse is combing through the home office, Lizzie is on the road with a new friend, a cowboy named Joe Love. Lizzie thinks so highly of Joe, she's been sending her friends photos of their rides together. I mean, it, it really does sound like, you know, you're at Thunder from Down Under in Vegas and, you know, Magic Mike and Joe Love. Joe Love is a fixture in the Orange County horse community where he runs a business transporting horses. There had been rumors that Lizzie was having an affair with someone, and then we started putting the dots that possibly the someone was Joe Love. I saw his name come up on her phone. When she picked up, she was always a little giggly. I also know that she likes attention. Lizzie and Joe would later deny having an affair, but the two have become close business partners. For several months, they've spent their weekends together in Northern California laying plans for a new business they've launched called Love Livestock. Whereas with the other victim, she used her charm as a mother and as a wife and as an entrepreneur. With Joe Love, she did the oldest trick in the book. She flirted with him. Mulder persuades Joe to purchase $26,000 worth of cattle embryos, and she hires a realtor to take them on a helicopter tour of Napa Valley so they can buy property for their new livestock business. Lizzie is with Joe on the way back from Northern California when she receives a fateful call from Jesse. She begs Jesse to let her come home and explain. But as Lizzie races back to Orange County, her phone starts buzzing. Jesse has called her friends and clients, and they want to know what's going on. That there's some damaging rumors going around you. And she said that she had to get home because Jesse was freaking out. But Mulder never does make it home that night. Instead, Lizzie ends up here at Mission Hospital, where, according to Detective Marakian, she checks into the behavioral health wing. I think the real reason why Lizzie Mulder checked into a mental hospital is because she was trying to lay the groundwork for some sort of insanity defense. She knew that the, the walls were closing in on her. She was caught... And after her voluntary 72-hour stay, Lizzie makes another surprising visit. This case seemed to always uh, explode as I was leaving. To meet with Detective Marakian. It's the end of a very long day. Packed up my stuff and I'm walking out the door. And in walks Lizzie Mulder. And she says she wants to talk to me and provide a statement. His investigation isn't complete, but Marakian wants to seize his chance to lock down Mulder's story. So the quick-thinking detective improvises. So what I did is I created some boxes, some, some phony files, and I wrote the name Mulder on the outside. During the interview, she kept looking behind me at the boxes. I think she thought that what I had were bank records and real estate files and all of the things that I eventually learned during the course of this investigation. With the evidence seemingly stacked against her, Lizzie argues that she's the victim. And this is a he said, she said, I just want it over. According to Lizzie, the $185,000 from Jack Wines was a reward for Lizzie doing all the work. He hired me as a 
bookkeeper, and then look, I just took over, just like I do with everybody. So if I know that I'm smart and I can do stuff, and I end up doing every single thing, and it's so stupid of me. But all those checks I wrote out to Lizzie Mulder, he said, you need to pay yourself. But while Mulder tries to rationalize her crimes, her body language betrays her. With Lizzie, I would ask her a question, and she would shift in her chair. Sometimes she would cross her arms and look down. Uh, Sometimes she would get emotional. She was putting on a very amateur performance. And the detective isn't buying it, especially as Lizzie recounts her devotion to Jay Avery. My brother died in heroin overdose. I heard about it. And Jay, like, I was close to you. I didn't want to lose him. And he was like, you know, I didn't want him to die, too. Lizzie put her head down and started to cry. And I looked at her very closely, and I noticed that there were no tears coming out. Unswayed, Detective Marakian soon has Mulder on her heels. Throughout the interview, I just let her talk, and I let her dig herself into an even deeper hole, and then I exposed her for the liar that she was. For one, she's not a certified public accountant. Are you, you're not a CPA, though. And I never signed a return as a CPA. Her degree from prestigious Pepperdine University is a sham. I think it's Pepperdine. And the Mulders don't own their beautiful house in Laguna Beach. They rent it. That was a lease option to buy. It's a lease option to buy. That explains that. But the biggest surprise is that while running her fake accounting practice, Mulder has been holding down a full-time job selling fertilizer for an agricultural company. Or as Detective Marakian puts it, so Lizzie Mulder is full of crap, and she sells When Jay and Marla Avery first visit Detective Marakian, they have no idea it is only his second day as a detective. This is what a lot of detectives refer to as a career case. I was a fraud detective for all of two days. Detective Marakian is dealing with multiple victims and more than $1 million in fraud. So he pitches the case to federal prosecutors. IRS Special Agent James Kim immediately signs on. Mulder's most damaging fraud is her income tax payment scheme. But in a stroke of irony, Lizzie never reported her stolen income. As a tax accountant, you would think you you would need to report all your business income on your tax returns. But Lizzie didn't. I said, hey, the clear charge is tax fraud. Special Agent Kim takes the case to Assistant U.S. Attorney Scott Tenley who was motivated to prosecute Mulder after hearing the victim's gut-wrenching stories. You hear in fraud cases a lot about con men, people who gain the confidence of their victims, and that's what she did. Literally, a victim saying, Lizzie was my best friend, and it makes you a little more motivated uh, on the case because you feel like these are people who have truly been victimized at their core, not just in their bank account. With each victim, Lizzie customizes her scheme to target her client's vulnerabilities. They were preyed upon. They were preyed upon by somebody who they thought was their friend, who they could trust, uh, and it could have happened to anybody. Investigators discovered a common thread in Lizzie's con. The victims all suspect she had an accomplice. Oftentimes, to keep these frauds alive, to keep them going, you need an accomplice to help you, to validate that the fraudster is not stealing, they're working in your favor. In the case of Elizabeth, she didn't have an accomplice. She created them. 
In addition to creating numerous fake email accounts, Mulder creates fake personas. Lizzie owns phone software that allows her to disguise her voice and change the number that appears on people's caller ID. To actually impersonate somebody on the phone takes kind of an extra level of, of chutzpah, which is not something you see in many cases. In fact, I've never seen it done uh, in a fraud case. Over the years, Mulder impersonates the electric company, the payroll service, the bank, the IRS, and yes, even Brent Harrison. I had no idea that the, the Brent Harrison I was talking to on the phone wasn't a man. When I found out it was spoof software, it was like something out of a movie. I could not, I just didn't, didn't know people were capable of this kind of stuff, and especially her. Facing overwhelming evidence against her, Lizzie Mulder pleads guilty to one count of wire fraud and one count of tax fraud. On October 16, 2017, she's sentenced to 63 months in federal prison and is ordered to pay restitution for more than $1.5 million. While the victims celebrate, Lizzie sits stone-faced through it all. She was completely emotionless. It was shocking. Or maybe it was all the Botox she had. Lizzie Mulder declined American Greed's request to speak with her. Joe Love, seen by Lizzie's side in this photo she shared with her friends, is never accused by law enforcement of being involved in Lizzie's fraud. Ultimately, Joe loses all the money he has invested in their livestock business. The victims of this cold-hearted manipulator are still left picking up the pieces of their lives. Many of their businesses are shuttered and they've all suffered profound financial losses. Meanwhile, Lizzie's Orange County dream ends behind bars. My hope is that the victims at least uh, can sleep at night knowing that Lizzie Mulder is being held accountable. She's a convicted felon, but I don't think Lizzie ever grieved. I think the only time Lizzie has ever felt remorse is when she's alone at night in her little cell in federal prison. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.